Well, today is, uh, last week was the official end of Easter time, and that began Pentecost Sunday. And um, this week on the church calendar, and yes, for maybe some of you out there didn't know, there is a church calendar. Churches all over the world, whether you're Pentecostal or Episcopal or uh, Baptist or Catholic or whatever you call yourself, there's a big calendar. And today's Sunday on the church calendar is Trinity Sunday. Trinity Sunday, where we recognize, we take a Sunday to recognize Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I'm going to come right out of the gate and tell you, I don't have the depths of knowledge to understand this mystery of why, of what the Christian faith professes. Because, you know, if you're you're Jewish, you profess that there is one God. One God, that's it, right? And and Muslims, they, they would say the same thing, there's one God, right? Christians, we come along, we say, there's one God, but revealed in three, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God, it's still monotheistic, but revealed in three different persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I could go all through this Bible and show you all the different instances where they are. The word Trinity is not in the Bible, but the word Bible is not in the Bible either, so there you go, right? Uh, these are things that, that great, great Christian thinkers from the earliest time, from you know, this Bible here, was assembled in 365 at the Council of Nicaea. And it was at the Council of Nicaea that they... Uh, let me just give you a quick history lesson. Bradley did this last week. I'll, I'll give it to one to you today. Jesus came, and Jesus was like lightning that struck. You remember that, that storm we had just like last week? It was pretty, pretty terrible. Uh, Jamefield Apartments, a roof was lifted off the place. Patey Hall, there was a roof lifted off the place. Pretty strong storm. Right? Jesus Christ was like lightning that struck. And the rest of the New Testament and the hundreds of years that pass afterwards is everybody trying to figure out what just happened. God became incarnate flesh and everybody's trying to figure out what happened. So in 364, uh, sorry, excuse me, 365 AD, they got together. They said, we got to figure this out. We got to come up with some doctrine here. And it was at that meeting where they canonized scripture. And it was at that meeting where they came up with the doctrine of the Trinity. And what they said is that, that, God is, or that the Father is God, that the Son, Jesus, is God, and that the Holy Spirit is God. But the, God, but the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is not the Father. If your brain hurts, it hurts my brain too. God is one, but represented in three persons. And all growing up in my life, in Sunday school and stuff, there's all different kinds of ways, you know, people try to get to understand this. I've heard of, like, water, you know, water is water, H2O, but it can come in ice, it can come in water vapor, it can come in liquid form, right? But it's also water, right? Or an egg. An egg, you have the shell, you have the whites, and you have the yolk. It's also an egg, though, right? Those are good. I think they, they come up kind of short. And I would rather listen to a more ancient understanding of what the Trinity is about. And so I have a video I want to show, and then I'm going to have some volunteers, so hopefully you don't get picked. Go ahead and just watch this video. Judge Gary Barlow. 
triangle formation with their hands on each other's shoulders. One, two, three. Then they each take turns jumping into the middle of each other. I'm totally off. Trying not to crash into their partner. Most people are nailing the dance. These teachers are all right, all right. Well, people at home didn't be, get to see that video, but they will get to see this. This we're gonna try this. We're gonna try this here on stage. So, I told Bo that I told Bo I was gonna pick him. Uh, Bo, come up here. I'm gonna ask Brother uh, Bo if he'll come up. I'm gonna ask um, Isaac if he'll come up, and I will also ask. Um, let me get a girl, Ellie. Ellie, come on, come on up here. Give him a hand. Give him a hand, guys. Okay, go ahead and stand. You can stand right here behind the, behind the, the pulpit. You guys watched the video closely, right? You weren't falling asleep or text on your phone, right? All right, so put your hands on each other's shoulders. Hopefully, hopefully none of them have coronavirus. All right, you guys going to figure it out? Three, two, one, go. <laughs> come on now, come on, yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. Good. Give him a hand. Everybody go sit down. <laughs> I didn't know how that was going to go, but they did all right. They did all right. They did all right. You see, whenever the, uh, the ancient church fathers, when they were trying to discover, or not discover, trying to describe how does this relationship work between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, how does God work, they used a word, it's in the Greek, called perichoresis. I don't know if any of you here have ever been to choreography class, but it's the same root word, that word in the middle, chore, perichoresis, the divine dance. If you see, if they were good at that dance, like those people in the video were, and if you did it fast enough and you did it long enough, there comes a point when it's no longer three people, but it's one unit working together, right? It's one unit that is simultaneously feeding off one another, deferring to one another, deflecting to one another, and they're, they're dancing. They, they get it going, right? Now, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I think that in the heavens, God, it, God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are dancing. I don't think that's true. But it's a good metaphor to understand how it works, that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are so unified that they can never be separated. That Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are constantly in a state of unity, constantly in a state of, of togetherness. And because they're in a state of togetherness, it's God. It is God. Another, another thing to think about with this is this. The scripture says that God is love. God is love. And we're going to read about that here in a second. It says that God is love. Anything that we say about God must be true eternally, because God exists eternally. So we say, we would say things like, God is powerful. Well, it's not like one day God, like, you know, earned up enough levels, like, you know, in Super Mario Brothers, you know, you, you gain, you know, it's not like he one day became powerful. He's always been powerful. The scripture claims that God is love. It's not that one day God changed his mind. God is love in his being. But how could God be love if there was nobody to love? Have you ever asked that question? This is exactly how. Because within God's self, there is relationship. Within the Godhead, the triune God, the three in one, 
There is love. God is love because God loves God's self. And not in a narcissistic way, but in a constantly self-giving way, in a constantly selfless way, in a constantly giving to the other kind of way. And this is really good news. Some of this so far might seem over your head, but please stick with me just for one minute here. On this Trinity Sunday, you might ask, how does the Trinity relate to anything going on in the world today? So much. So much. Because this relationship of love, this relationship of selfless love, of self-giving love, of deferential love, is a love that you and I are invited to become a part of as believers in Christ. As believers in Christ, we are invited to be the fourth member of the Trinity, you could say. We're invited to enter into this holy relationship. We're invited to become part of the life of God that is love. We're invited to to participate in this life of love that God has to offer. And if you don't believe me, maybe you'll believe the Apostle John. Let's read 1 John 4, uh, starting with verse 7 um, to to the end. So, just bear with me here. It's going to be on the screen for you to look at. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through Him. This is real love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and His love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us His Spirit as proof that we live in Him and He in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in His love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect, so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face Him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear, because perfect love expels all fear. If we were afraid, it is for fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not fully experienced His perfect love. We love each other because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow brother, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow brothers. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Father God, Holy Spirit, three in one, I thank you so much that you loved us first. God, I thank you so much that while we were still sinners, you loved us and you died for us. I thank you that you first loved us. Lord, I pray that in this place today, that your deep, deep love would permeate into every single soul in the sound of my voice. 
Lord, that we would walk in your love and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, John says something here that is, that is deeply important. God is love. Not God is loving. There's a difference. Loving, like, like some, you say someone is loving, that's an attribute that you give to someone, right? You say they are loving. God, John, John goes to the next step. He says, no, God is love. The fancy way of saying it, the philosophical way of saying it is that God is ontologically love. The normal English way of saying that would be that God is love in his very essence. Baseline, bottom line, God is love. So we say things like, God is angry. And I say, yes, God does get angry. But his anger comes out of his love for his creation. He's angry because the creation that he loves so dearly has rebelled against him and the world is broken and not how he intended it to be. So anything that we attribute to God comes out of this this spectrum of realizing that God is love in his very essence, bottom line, baseline, and that's what Jesus showed us, right? Everywhere that Jesus went, even when he was angry, it was out of love, right? When he flipped over those tables in the temple, it was because the zeal for his father's house, the love for his father's house, the love for those that were being ripped off, right? There was people that were being... uh, you know, oppressed because the, the people at the temple were ripping them off and their money. Jesus got mad. Jesus got angry, but it was out of his love. So we have to have this understanding that God is love. Baseline, bottom line, that's what it is. So then we read in Genesis 1 that we are made in the image of God. And there's a lot of things of what that means. But what I want to tell you today is that you are made in the image of God who is love. And what sin does is sin comes in and it shatters that image. It it mars that image. You ever ever had like a good painting in your house, you know, and maybe somebody spills a drink on it or, you know, it's very old and you need to get it all touched up and fixed or whatever, right? That's what sin does to the image of God in us. Christ has come to restore the image of God in us. That image is to be an image of love. In the same way that God loves, we are to love. Are you tracking with me? Is this making sense so far? We are to love, just as the Trinity loves. Amen. We are to be love, not just to love, not just as an action, but to be love in our very essence. Jesus put it like this. There's a couple of sly dogs that came up to him and said, Jesus, what are, the, what are the two most important commandments? He said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is equally important, to love your neighbor as yourself. Today, I'm not wearing a, a white button-down shirt. The, the Independent Fundamentalist Baptist out there would be mad at me, but my shirt says this. Love thy neighbor, thy homeless neighbor, thy Muslim neighbor, thy black neighbor, thy gay neighbor, thy immigrant neighbor, thy Christian neighbor, thy Jewish neighbor, thy atheist neighbor, thy addicted neighbor. Love thy neighbor. You notice Jesus didn't put any stipulations on it, right? In that day, there was plenty of people groups that Jesus could have discriminated against, but he didn't. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. 
Love your neighbor as yourself. And it's very, it's very literal. We try to, us you know, religious people, we try to paint some pictures with the scripture of, of who's my neighbor, right? That's the, that was the classic response of the person in the story of the Good Samaritan. Who is my neighbor? Anyone who is in need that is near you. Anyone that you see that has a need, that's your neighbor. Anyone around you is your neighbor. Anybody within a 15-foot proximity of you is your neighbor. And for some of you, the people who live next door are your neighbor. Quite literally, you should love them. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus understood the principles I'm preaching to you today deeply. He understood them deeply, and he preached them to his followers. This was the kind of life that they were called to live. This is what Jesus preached. And the cynics, the people out there who are cynical, would have looked at Jesus and said, you're crazy. Because we look at the world today and we say, it's crazy out there, right? It's crazy out there. When Jesus lived, he was crazy out there. The Roman Empire, the most vile you know, empire that ever existed. I mean, they, they were some bad dudes. They were some bad dudes. In the middle of their reign, Jesus comes proclaiming this message of love. To love your neighbor as yourself. And what I want to preach to you today is that the message has not changed, folks. The message has not changed one bit. The world has changed. Yes, the, the Roman Empire has fallen, but now we have the United States of America, right? And we're living in it. And we're living in the middle of this chaos. We're living in the middle of upheaval and so much hatred, so much violence, so much hurt, so much of, of, of just division in our country. I mean, go on Facebook for five seconds and you'll see it. <laughs> you know, you, comment, you, you post one thing, and there's 30 comments. Everybody's got an opinion. And those of you close to me know what I say about opinions, but I'm not going to say that up here. Uh, 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 anyways, but everybody has an opinion. I don't want to hear about yours, okay? But everybody has an opinion about the whole, uh, you know, black lives matter, blue lives matter, all lives matter. It's, it's just everybody's got an opinion right now. And that's fine. This is America, free speech. You can have your opinion, whatever. But you cannot, as a Christian, have an opinion without love. As a Christian, you cannot go on the Facebook and type out your opinion and your thoughts without love in your heart. You can't go out and you can't take a stance on these social issues without love in your heart. If you don't have love in your heart, then it's all for nothing. Isn't that what the Apostle Paul said? He said, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I am to the poor and I'm burned at the stake as a martyr, but I don't have love, I am nothing. If I go on Facebook and I support Black Lives Matter, but I don't have love, I am nothing. If I go on Facebook and I support Blue Lives Matter, but I don't have love, I am nothing. If I go on Facebook and I say all lives matter, but I don't have love, then I am nothing. We are nothing without love. So many people have posted things on Facebook saying, what is the way forward? Anybody there in their infinite wisdom have a way forward? And as it comes down to like the specific logistics, I don't know. Those are, those are good conversations I think everybody should have. But I do know this, that I'm just crazy enough and just naive enough. And maybe it's because I'm 22 years old and I haven't seen the real world yet. But I take Jesus at his word and I believe that love is the way forward. 
If I am a Christian, I am... I, here's, here's a little trip for you. If I'm a Christian, then really, because I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm from the future. I'm from the future because there is one day that is coming in the future in which there will be no Black Lives Matter versus Blue Lives Matter. There's a day coming in the future where there will be no riots in the streets or police brutality. There will be a day in the future where there is no infighting, where there is no black versus white, where there is no uh, race division, where there is none of this stuff. There is a day coming. And as, as the Holy Spirit fills me, I'm a witness of that day that is coming here and now. We've got to be filled with love. Everything I told you the Apostle Paul said is true. But the opposite is also true. If I speak in the tongues of men, of men and angels and I'm filled with love, it's everything. If I give all I am to the poor and my body is burned at the stake as a martyr, but I have love, then it's everything. If I support Black Lives Matter or Blue Lives Matter or All Lives Matter and I have love in my heart, it means everything. Because love is the supreme ethic Love is, is supreme over everything. When the Apostle Paul said at the end of the love chapter, these three will remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. The greatest, supreme, number one, over everything. And so what I want to preach to you, River Church, is that in this culture of hate, we must be people marked by love. We must be people who bear the image of God. We must be people that live within the life of the triune God. You see how I brought that around? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are constantly living in love. The, the triune God, the Trinity, is a life of love. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit constantly in love because God is love. And as my friend John says, those who say they live in God live in love. And so if you're in this place and you say that you live in God and God lives in you, well, you better live in love because that's the litmus test. Amen. And I want to address something real quick. It goes with the message, kind of. It all goes together. We can't cherry pick the scriptures here. So John, John says in here, he says, he says, what does he say? Gosh, I, wish I, I should have marked this down, sorry. Here, verse 15. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. Amen, right? All those who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they know God. Right? And all the once saved, always saved people out there said amen, right? Uh, <laughs> you know, all you have to do is declare Jesus is the Son of God, right? If we took that little scripture and we cut it out and post it on a refrigerator, that's what you would think. But then later on, he says this. He says, Gosh, I really should have written this up down. Oh, here it is. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. Well, then there's a, there's a progressive crowd that, you know, they just want to leave Jesus and the Bible and everything behind, and it's just love, man. It's just love. It's just love. All you have to do is love. If you love, then you know God. That's a bunch of baloney, too. What I'm here to tell you is that you can only know the true way to love. You can only know true love as you know Jesus. You can't know any other way to love apart from Christ. You know, you can, you can be, uh, you know, someone could be Muslim, 
and they could follow all the teachings of Muhammad, and they could be a, a loving person, but they don't know love like Jesus. They don't know the love that Jesus has because you can only know how to love insofar as you know Jesus. You have to know Jesus. You have to know him because he is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the way, the only way. We have to know him. And as much as we know him, the closer we get to him, the more loving we become. We become more like our creator. Isn't that crazy, right? You know, the more that we know him, the more that we know how to love. We live in a culture of hatred. We live in a culture of us versus them. We do. There's so many, so many people today, guys don't fall for it. They're trying to pull you on one side or another. And they demand, they demand that you pick one side over the other, right? They demand. How about this? I, 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 I'm, I'm above all of it because I'm a Christian. And I'm saying, God is love. And I side with the Black Lives Matter people. And I side with the Blue Lives Matter people. I side with the All Lives Matter people. I don't have to pick a side. I'm on the side of Jesus. And as I'm on the side of Jesus, I am loving every single person. Because I believe that God is working in every part, you know? Do I believe that God is working on the behalf of oppressed African Americans? Yes. Do I believe that God is working in uh, uh, um, groups of police officers? Yes. Do I believe that God is working in this country right now? Yes. God is working in all of it. What we do by picking a side is we try to limit God. We try to put God in a box and say that God is only on this side, right? That God is only a part working here. God is working everywhere. God is working everywhere. And so as we live in a life of love, we should be loving everybody. Because what happens when you pick a side is you begin to demonize the other. You begin to look at the other and you begin to demonize them. There are issues in this country, no doubt. Next week, we're going to hear about it. Next week, we're going to listen and see, as Pastor Bradley said. But before you, I think that's so important that he said that, to listen and to see, because we're so quick to jump to judgment. We're so quick to go to the Facebook post. What if we listened, and what if we saw, and what if we prayed, and what if we loved? The world would be a lot better of a place. The world would be such a better place. We must be people that are filled with love, filled with the Spirit. Last week, Pastor Bradley preached an amazing message on Pentecost and what it means to be filled with the Spirit. And he mentioned a line in there that is so good, I must say it again. William Seymour, one-eyed, black son of a slave, led the Azusa Street Revival. And he said this, that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the baptism into love. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the baptism into love. For too long in Pentecostal churches, you have people who claim they have the Holy Spirit with no love in their heart, or only limited love in their heart, only love for certain people. When we're baptized into the Holy Spirit, when we're baptized into the life of God, that's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. I mean, while we're talking about it, we'll just talk about it. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit taking you deeper and deeper into the life of God. The Holy Spirit takes you deeper and deeper into the mystery of God. The the Holy Spirit takes you into into places in your relationship with God that you never have been. And let let me tell you something. As you go deeper and deeper into the life of God, as you become closer, connected, closer, knit with God, 
the more knit you are with love, the deeper you go in love, the deeper you are in your love for one another. John says it very clearly in here, guys. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters. So there there might be things in the culture right now that upset you. And honestly, there are things that upset me a lot. You know, I was texting with Jeremy earlier this week and sent him this horrific video. That upsets me. It does. The things that are going on in our country now, they upset me. They upset you. It's tension, right? There's, there's anxiety. There's anger. There's fear. There's all these things, right? But when we live in a life of love, God, God, God elevates us out of it and allows us to see things as he sees. And we, when we live in love, we don't have to pick a side. We don't have to demonize everybody. But we play as God does, loving everybody, working on all sides, trying to bring peace. Isn't that what Jesus said? Blessed are the peacemakers. It's very hard to make peace by picking sides. But when we are driven by a life of love, and we listen, and we see, and we pray, and we love, we can bring peace to both sides. You know, uh, they, there's that like, common phrase that when you try to make everybody happy, you just make everybody mad, right? Like if you're in a family feud or if you're in a family feud and you try to, you know, you try to be, make these people happy, you're trying to make these people happy, then everybody's just mad at you, right? That might happen. That might happen. When you go into a conversation and you say, you know, I, I, I just don't, I don't, you know, I, I, I want to be above it. You know, I'm not going to pick sides. I'm not going to demonize, you know. When you, when you begin to think in that way, it might, people might be mad at you, you know. But it's a way of love. It's a way of love to be above it but also to be in it. It's, it's, it's a very, very, very tough tension. Because, trust me, I, I, I've shared things on social media that say, hashtag Black Lives Matter, you know? I've, I have also read things, you know, talking about how the statistics and stuff, about how all, not all cops, you know, shoot people or, or kill people, right? You're in it, and you're, you know, reading things, and you're, 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 in the age that we live in with information on social media, you're reading things and you're seeing all these posts and you're, you're, you are, it, it's being shown to you. What if we just took a step back and we said, okay, God, what do you want out of this? Because we're so quick to rush to judgment and so quick to rush to, to, to hatred, really. All right, I'm rambling. Sorry. These are like my notes, like half a page. So I, I, this past like 20 minutes has just been me just talking. I, sorry, just, you know, you get, when, you, when all of this is going on, it just gets in you, you know, and you're just like, oh, God, what, what do we do, you know? When it just gets in you, it's like, uh, you know, you just got to let it out. Sorry. Okay. To sum up everything that I've said today, I wrote a little paragraph I want to read to you. The life of the Trinity, the life of the triune God, leads us into a life of love. The love is abruptly destroyed in the wake of these current events. Love is is far out of the reach in these current events. There's a culture marked by hatred, fear, violence, and division. These things have no such place in love. They have no such place in the life of the believer. As we live in the life of the triune God, we should be liberated from the opposing and the oppressive schemes of the devil in order to live a life marked by love.
when the Holy Spirit comes and the Holy Spirit invades our hearts and our lives and we're baptized into love, then we can make a difference. Then we can truly see as God sees. And we can be above it and we can be in it. And we can be working in it because God's working in all of it. So, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Right? I don't know the solutions. But I do know that when you walk through those two wood doors out there and then out the two glass doors and then you get in your car door and then you drive in your car back to your house and you go through your house door, that it is not the time to be divisive. It is not the time to pick sides. It is not the time of us versus them. It's not. It never has been. God's never been about that. But certainly right now, it is not the time. And let me say one last thing. Sorry, this just came to my mind. Supporting one side does not mean picking that side. I want to be very clear about that. Supporting the people that are hurting does not mean that you have to pick them and that you have to demonize the other person. You can definitely support people and still not be caught up in the mess of division. Right now, we, can, we should support people listening, hearing, but at the same time, we don't have to pick to be divisive. Okay. All of those who live in God live in love, and the Holy Spirit shows us that. To end this sermon, we're going to sing a song. Uh, we sang it last week, um, and hopefully you guys know it and, and uh, know it a little bit better now, and we're going to sing it again this week. It's called Upper Room. And the words go something like this. Help me, Holy Ghost. I need you more than anything. All my best ideas are yours. So what am I but what you make of me? So help me, God. Breathe on my weakness. For all I want is to be like Jesus. That song is so fitting for the time that we're in. God, breathe on our weakness. God, breathe on us. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, breathe on our weakness this morning. 